All right, what's going on, guys? Episode eight, we are back. Uh, I got the numbers right on this one. So yeah, episode eight, we're back here with Jamie Bell. Um, this week's episode is going to be pretty pretty fire, actually. We we go over a lot of the the updates with what's going on in the market right now, with in terms of uh, with the crypto market, a little bit of that, um, kind of the bigger the bigger uh, do we want to call it bigger uh, meme industries uh go a little bit more into, into cannabis so we talk about government regulation things like that here on the pod we don't get too into politics just how it affects the market so uh, don't be don't be too worried about that if you're worried about hearing anything political you're not going to get that here from us so overall today you're going to get something along the lines of a market update cannabis gaming as well as another big one is the sports betting industry as well. So you got a mix of those with us as well as some of the upcoming information from the Coinbase uh, IPO, as well as a little bit of a glimpse into possible next week's episode into what's happening with the SPACs currently going on, which is are going up in flames. So uh, stay tuned for that next week. But I hope you guys enjoyed this week. It's always fun putting out content for you guys. I know Jamie and I are loving what's going on here. So we're constantly striving to improve on that. And anything you guys have for us and comment below, questions, anything, shoot us DMs. Always open for suggestions, criticism, anything, man. So if you have new content ideas for us that you guys want to see from us, go ahead and shoot it to us. We're open to, to recording and trying something new there for you guys. So without further ado, this episode, episode eight, again, talking about cannabis, gaming, sports betting, all the good stuff in there. All right, guys, I'll talk to you soon. Happy investing. All right, guys, we're back. Back with Jamie Bell. What's we're taking going, a, a kind of a, a little more broad overview of, of the market to start us off here. I know that Jamie Bell has been itching to to get some things off his chest here. So I'll let him take this away. How you doing, my man? Yeah, how's it going, man? Um, you know, over the last few episodes here, we've been doing a deep dive in the different asset classes, but uh, we thought it would be a good idea to kind of um, take a look at the broad market in general. Um, get, get back to get back to some equities here and you know, where things are trading. And then we could we could kind of talk about some current events that are happening like you know the coinbase listing and um some of some of these hot button topics that you probably all want to hear about but i mean emmett since i was on for my first time i think that was episode four of your podcast i mean s p 500 was about you know let's call it 3800 and today right now we're talking you know april 15th april 15th thursday sorry um I mean, holy smokes, S&P 4163 here, NASDAQ 14K, Dow Jones, a hair under 34,000. I mean, oh my gosh, what's going on here, man? Like you I mean, said, what, man, what the, do you the think? market's <laughs> absolutely ripping, dude. I think you had another point. Go ahead to, to what you were saying about um, these those election numbers. Those okay. were kind of, kind of blowing my mind here. Since the presidential election which I mean, let's call it whatever. What is it? November 2nd, November 3rd, the S and P 500 is up 30% since the election. I mean, what is absolutely mind blowing. I, I, I can't believe it. Honestly, that, I mean, I'm not going to go into the election at all, but I mean, this was one that was obviously slightly controversial. Um, and there was a lot of reasons to, um, be kind of scared around capital markets and just business in America in general, but, um, the, the market doesn't care. And I guess, you know, business kind of just goes on, um, uh, normally as planned, but I mean, what we've seen, even when Trump was elected in 2016, you know, the market is just, and what I think right now, I mean, the market's just like calling kind of falling in love with this new administration a bit. I mean, obviously it's up 30% since the beginning in November when the new administration was elected. And we kind of saw the same thing um, in late 2016 and all of 2017, where the market really also fell in love with the Trump administration. 2017 was a great year um, for equities. Uh, I think it was almost a 30% year. Um, and kind of the backdrop was, 
the market was really kind of getting used to the to the Trump presidency. Um, and maybe you could say the same thing here, but 30% since the election seems, seems a little bit much. I mean, holy smokes. And a lot of that probably has to do with this vaccine rollout as well. Yeah. Um, but and, I mean, man, it's crazy because <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm of the notion that I don't even know if um, a full vaccination is good for the market, but that's kind of a contrarian take kind of uh in the back of the back of my mind i'm gonna be honest but um because i i still just think once you kind of figure out covid um other things are gonna start to be attacked by this administration taxes regulations um things of that nature but the market doesn't care because that's yeah um, that's kind of a good point i I didn't think about that as much as of late like you said because everyone's so wrapped up in in what's happening with covid and kind of things are the government's I mean, kind of still, they're just juggling so many this, balls right now, the, but the, once they the, get the chance to focus in on on the other issues, we might see a bit of a change in the market. I mean, put yourself right here in this position next year in 2022. I mean, I'm assuming that things are going to be a lot more normal, if not fully normal. And I mean, to, what a lot of the priorities that this administration set out to do are going to be worked on. You know, um, and that's why my first episode that you had me on here, Emmett, what did I talk about for and scream about for 20 minutes? It was the cannabis industry. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, the cannabis industry, in my opinion, looks like a pretty safe place to be over the next year and a half because we're going to see a lot of um, legislation kind of go their way, in my opinion, especially once kind of COVID is taken care of. So that's there's not a lot of things um, as far as cannabis legislation going on on the federal side, because uh, like, I, like I've said over and over, really the focus right now is COVID and this vaccine rollout. Um, but that's one thing you should look at too. If um, any of you are involved in cannabis right now and you're kind of wondering, hey, you know, what's going on, right? There hasn't been, other than more states coming online for um, recreational medical cannabis like Virginia and Missouri, um, and obviously Arizona here, there really isn't much happening on the federal side. Um, I think that's going to take some time to later this year. So the quicker we can kind of get over this virus, I think the quicker that um, the cannabis industry can start to see um, some legislation go their way on the federal side, on the state side. I mean, it's crazy. You have states want to come go online and um, start to get involved with the cannabis business. Um, early indications in Missouri are really good. And that's a, that's a state that people didn't realize has medical cannabis right now. So that's, that's again, that's, you're seeing red, someone red who's states. not into, yeah, yep. someone who's not into cannabis full time. Those are hearing Missouri is one of those like kind of peaks you're yeah. interested and, in. Yeah, exactly. and, and the, and the thought process with Missouri was, um, and like many other states in the Midwest and pretty much, I mean, states everywhere in the country have, um, an extremely horrible, um, meth and opioid issue. I mean, that's almost like a, a pandemic in and of itself. I, I mean, I would make the argument that right now today, I mean, the meth and opioid w- epidemic is probably the the scariest one, in my opinion, right now. Yeah, and I wouldn't I'm, even I, think it's, it's I will be the one to take the stand and say it's not even close when it comes to numbers to yeah, the COVID, exactly. the, the pandemic and all that stuff. It's the opioid epidemic has been destroying those numbers they've been blowing exactly. them out of the water for years now exactly so missouri um kind of went out of their comfort zone and you're seeing a lot of red states kind of going out of their own comfort zone um and you know um getting involved in an area that has historically been more of a, a blue issue right um and ironically enough the red states are the best um, investment opportunities for cannabis because what we've seen in blue states like California and Wa- and Washington state where Seattle is located in Oregon, cannabis has not been a good investment there um, just because the regulations are really tough. I know here in California, it is horrible as an investor in cannabis. Um, it has not been good. Places like Florida um, and Nevada have been uh, much better. So that's kind of an interesting Um, another interesting tidbit where I want to be involved in cannabis is mostly Florida and Nevada. And, um, I do like this opportunity here in Arizona as well. So yeah, that's a little update on the cannabis industry. I know 
from the first episode that's an industry that I'm very involved in. <laughs> and then, um, you know, the gaming industry too. I mean, or what, what, I mean, what else have you been seeing out there, Emmett? Any current events? We could talk about Coinbase as well. That was a big IPO. But anything that you've been seeing um, at all, like on the gaming side, or we can just kind of talk talk about crypto too. Yeah, no, the kind of the big one on the gaming side that we kind of just glossed over was, um, I mean, I think the Roblox IPO was. Mm-hmm. It's gotta be. Yeah, we didn't even talk about ago, that months ago. Um, but that's kind of one of the things of the, the trends that I didn't know. I didn't fully get your opinion on it, or I didn't know oh, if you were. Yeah, I'm not you involved see it in Roblox. Kind of, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of one of those Minecraft, like digital world kind of things. Absolutely. Do you think with the rise in crypto and the NFT arts Ooh. and all that other stuff, do you think those two worlds kind of integrate and oh, somehow become fog, more sustainable? Yes. Absolutely. I think, I mean, um, the reason why I kind of understand NFTs is because I'm a gamer myself and I mean, gaming is in and of itself, like the things that you achieve and like the item and the gear and the gun camos, they are NFTs yeah. at the end of the day. Right. So absolutely. I mean, Roblox has <laughs> a, a lot of potential here, um, to really start to monetize itself, um, more into crypto and into, you know, digital tokens um i think the interesting thing about a company like roblox is their ecosystem and the currency that they already employ you know robux um and that in and of itself can is almost like a digital currency um that kind of holds its own value um what interests me a lot about roblox um the valuation is steep 41 billion but it's not crazy um And I, 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 I absolutely really like this company, but the one thing I like about it is the player base and how young it is. I mean, that's one point that I made. And that was my um, big question is like, do you think it's sustainable with how young the community is? Or do you think it's just another fad for those young people? Like, do you think um, they, this gets thrown out in the next couple of years or is it this more of like a five, 10 year play? You know, that is, actually... that is a really, God, that's such a good point because I actually know um, a gaming investor that I follow um that when roblox kind of did their listing they actually and but i bought more activision blizzard around 90 and i think it was funny (laughs) when i on my first episode i said i mean i I would love if activision blizzard came into 90 remember i told you and it was like a 94 (laughs) and it came in it came in and it literally it was like a wall there i mean there was a wall of buying an atvi right at the 90 handle and then now i think we're at 97 back again but I mean, look a lot at yeah, 97.35. So I mean, look at the chart. I mean, a wall of money came in around that 89.90 level, myself included. I followed through with that and I said, hey, if Activision comes back in the 90, I want to be a buyer here. Um, <laughs> with the Roblox IPO, man, I mean, look, look at the player base and the average age of uh, Roblox users. In five years, a lot of these gamers are going to be transitioning into titles that Activision Blizzard um, creates, Call of Duty. Um, world of warcraft overwatch really the the main three here so i think that's a really good point that you make you know if the player base is so young and obviously young people have to get older and then as people get older um consumer preferences obviously change right can you envision 28 year olds playing um roblox with kind of how the animations are and how the characters move and what the game really is i mean maybe right there's nothing wrong with childish games i know a lot of people like fall guys and um, God, that what's the one game on a spaceship where like you have to find out the imposter? What is that game called? Oh, it's like, with you know, the uh, you people have it on their apps and their phones. Yeah, and stuff too. so um, like older people, older among people us. play that. Yeah, Among Us. And so like older, yeah. there's that that could, you know obviously more of a younger crowd, but I mean, so that's kind of a, a really intricate way to look at Roblox and kind of be scared about it, is as if man in five to six years is the player base still going to kind of stick around here. Um, I think so. I think they're going to be okay at $41 billion. A lot of what I believe is Roblox kind of priced in here. I don't like the fact that young kids are going to have to start going back to school too. That's also a big one. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one thing that I saw um, another investor talk about is, Hey, if you're buying Roblox here, you might be, um, you might be a little late. That doesn't mean that this stock can't work out for you over the next three to five years, which I think it will, if you bought Roblox today, I think you're going to be just fine. It's just, 
I think 2021 is going to be a harder year for Roblox, given that their player base is actually going to have to go back to middle school and high school again. And they're not going to be able to just sit around and half-ass their schoolwork along with playing video games. <laughs> like, a, And you can say that for adults too. Like people that work at home, half-ass work and play video games as well. But All the time. I think, yeah, I think older people though can kind of free up their time better to game. And that's where Activision Blizzard with the Call of Duty, World of Warcraft and Overwatch 2 coming. Um makes more sense and the reason why i like activision blizzard so much is because i that is really the peer play on esports right now you know if you look at their titles and how heavy their titles are in esports i mean overwatch is like strictly an esports you know yeah. video it's not it's right? not a casual game to watch exactly either. it's just not exactly so overwatch 2 coming later this year i'm really excited about that and like there's the notion i think i brought it up like you know are the video game publishers going to have that great of a 2021 now that people actually want to go out again? And I think they're going to do okay, but they're not going to be as good as 2020 because 2020 was the best year ever for video games because we were just sitting at home and it's the best form of entertainment for consumers. But I like the fact that maybe later this year, we're going to be able to have live esports events again. Because that was the one thing the gaming industry was missing during COVID was live esports events. And these events are social right yeah they're coming I mean, back these are, too. i mean they're and in asia they're already back mm-hmm. right i mean you we've all seen the packed esports arena arenas in asia and then we're kind of looking at our country like yeah why can't we have fun like that again but i think you know you know cod you know cod finals probably is going to be live later this year i think there's going to be a lot of overwatch tournaments live later this year man and that's great you know and it, it just goes to prove kind of like my initial point on the first episode of the I was here that gaming is very social and collaborative. You know, the, the, the pimple faced teenage guy sitting in his basement, right. That's not really the gaming industry anymore. Right. This is like actual professionals or, and people are consuming. Yeah. Um, it's these games. It's very evident at like the numbers of, like you said, you're, we, we both were big into call of duty, things like that. But I'm, I, I there's a game that I grew up on playing, which was counter-strike uh-huh. And I don't, I don't play the game anymore, but I'm a huge, huge fan of watching the game still. Wow. You may sound crazy to a lot of people. Crazy. Yeah, no. And, and that's Again, a lot on, of people On Sunday too. when I, there was a, a tournament and that's an online tournament, the finals, there was a, a peak on one platform had on Twitch had 210,000 people watching it. Not oh. to mention there's another 160,000 watching on, on YouTube live. So, I mean, like the, the numbers are there. And then, the and then compare that well. and then yeah oh and then compare that to people watching you know cbs on a wednesday or thursday night that were and it's not a live sport like you know cbs and nbc have these joke of like sitcoms and shows and like there's probably like what a couple thousand people watching that as just yeah. background noise and it just goes to prove man i think gaming is the new entertainment industry i mean just what you saw there with counter-strike is just one yeah. game and this huge ecosystem and you have over 300,000 people watching, you know, and that gets more views than a mid-major college football game, you know, it's insane, man. Like, it's I, not, you know, not, it's to, like, not to bag on some of these sports, but like, even I love hockey. I'm a big hockey fan, but oh, just yeah. like the worldwide, like the viewership is just not there. I you know maybe, I mean, I would love to see like actual numbers to compare, but I mean, what are we talking, you know, maybe 10, 20 30,000 you know I know like big time like SEC games on CBS get like full-time millions you know for obvious Let me try reasons and look up a little a one um, look at average average viewers of of college football games I mean that's it's, again they're the numbers are gonna be kind of top heavy as well like with with the data that there's there's 90 million viewers like for the entire season so that's not, yeah that's not a lot but honestly yeah, when, like you when you break about, it down think to about that, there's like, 12 weeks like and how many different games just 12 weeks how many different games i mean you know 300 300 plus for just one tournament and csgo i mean geez you put that over a 12 week period i mean wow just for and, and that's for one game it's, it's crazy <laughs> too like these are it's it's they're getting almost a hundred thousand viewers they're they're streaming games almost every day so 
these are almost 100,000 viewers a day that are and just to tuning that in point, to watch this. The company that I want to go public, and I think they're going to at some point, is Valve, the studio that creates <laughs> Counter Strike. They are still private, and I think they're looking for the best deal. It's going to be a big SPAC that they merge into, but that's the one I'm looking for because they own Steam. Yeah. Um, which people probably have heard of Steam, but if you don't, that's um, the platform that you kind of download many of the games that you play on a PC um, on. So not only do they own that, but they're also a gaming studio too. And wow, I mean, what a fantastic company. But that's one that I kind of have my eye on. Roblox was interesting. But yeah, when it comes to gaming, I like Activision, Blizzard, and Corsair. Those are Okay, so you're, you're on more of the transitional play of like Roblox is was good for its time it had its turn but you're putting your money into something that's more of into the i mean you're not gonna be a kid forever let's just put it that yeah, way yeah and i think roblox is fine i just um i think roblox at a 41 billion dollar valuation and take two interactive at a 19 billion dollar valuation take two interactive um owns rockstar games the company mm-hmm. that makes gta and Man, I like I like Take Which Two. Which is the here. largest grossing game of all time yes. for one title. I I like Take Two. So I own Activision, Take Two, and Corsair. Those are my three um, gaming positions. I own a little bit of Turtle Beach as well. Um, at much lower prices, I'm still holding on to that position. I wouldn't necessarily be a buyer of Turtle Beach. Maybe here, eh, you know what I mean. But I do still <laughs> like the company. It's very small, but Take Two and Activision are really uh, my two favorite names here. Because GTA, the new title is coming, I believe, late this year, maybe early 2022. And again, that's just a game that's just very social, man. It's very social, very collaborative. Um, I really like the opportunity with Take-Two as well. I would rather Take-Two and Activision over Roblox here. I don't think Roblox is um, is necessarily a bad investment, though. I still like I still like with the levers that they can pull, like you said, with crypto and NFTs um and look maybe post covid we do kind of have this little baby boom and but obviously so like the runway for the next 10 years maybe doesn't look that bad for roblox right from a demographic point of view because you do need more kind of younger individuals consuming this game it's very tailored yeah that's that's kind of that's again that's i don't know kind of just like an intricate like gaming you know i mean kind of if you look at it really deep right but i mean any so what's uh, any... the there was another big um i don't know the the exact studio or or if they're even public um which was the one of obviously the all-time greats in the the video game space which was halo uh-huh they're they're set to release the a new battle royale format which was the big and driver halo Infinite, which is, right yeah in the new so when, title when yeah one, so a little bit about Halo Infinite. It was supposed to come out last year in the fall, but because of COVID, they completely botched it. They weren't able to get it. So yeah, Halo is looking to do a Battle Royale mode. Um, and they're trying to launch this game later this fall. And um, it's developed by 343 Industries. Microsoft owns 343 Industries. So Microsoft is uh, um, a decent way to also get some gaming exposure. It's obviously not a peer play. Um Microsoft is of the large tech companies. Microsoft is my favorite. I have never been critical about Microsoft on this podcast. I've been critical about Facebook, <laughs> Apple, and Amazon, but notice I've never been critical about, my, about Microsoft. Um, I call it misfit. MSFT is the ticker, but I've never been uh, that critical about misfit. I think it's a really good company here. Um, I like it a lot. Well, why more. is that? Cause you've been, like you said, you've been very yeah. outspoken against yeah. a lot of because, these bigger tech companies. Uh, from a legislative perspective, Microsoft really doesn't have any headwinds, right? They're, they're not bad actors. You know, they're, they do everything um, kind of clean. And um, I just think that they have also more gaming exposure than the other big tech companies. I think the one thing that Apple and face, uh, Facebook has Oculus, and I think that's fine. But eh, VR, whatever. But um, we're not what there the, yet. Yeah, I mean, Apple. I think the, the biggest the biggest mistake Apple uh, made is just they have no gaming. Really, they have no gaming exposure. And you can say, oh, you know, they make a little bit of revenue on apps getting downloaded. But I mean, I'm looking for direct plays here. Um, 
and they, they, you know, companies like Facebook and Amazon, I mean, geez, man, with Amazon, you have, I just, I mean, I'm a kind of a purpose-driven investor. I like to invest in companies that are kind of doing good things for society as well. I think, um, and Amazon is pretty much the polar opposite of that. Um, I mean, the stories of drivers having to piss in bottles because they don't have enough time to actually deliver packages is actually true. Um, so yeah, I don't really want to be involved in a company that kind of just does that. Um, and at the same time, I think the, the best days for amazon.com, the e-commerce platform are behind them. I think new players like Etsy, um, target.com, bestbuy.com are actually kind of stepping on amazon.com's toes here. And I think that's going to become really prevalent over the next two years. Um, there's a notion that like amazon.com is like the only e-commerce company, um, I think people are going to soon find out, but there's a lot of other websites that people are ordering stuff on here. And like amazon.com had a really good 2020 because people were sitting at home. Well, how about when people aren't sitting at home? Let's see how, what the growth numbers are there. So yeah, let's see what, um, the, what exactly. their prime numbers do then. Now, it, it, exactly. So, and you know, Amazon's a fine company, $1.7 trillion um, valuation. I said it on the first episode I was on. If they didn't own Twitch, the stock would be a lot lower. It was the best, the best acquisition. Um, the reason why a lot of these tech companies are getting the valuations they're getting are because of acquisitions. Facebook is where it's at because of their acquisition of Instagram. Um, Google is at where it's at because of their acquisition of YouTube. Amazon, in my opinion, because of their acquisition of Twitch. So um, they are very savvy in that regard. How many more acquisitions do they have? I don't know, right? Microsoft's going for Discord. That's probably the smartest thing. And Discord is like a $10 billion valuation. That seems really cheap to me. <laughs> I think Discord should be worth a lot more than WhatsApp because people actually pay the monthly subscription on Discord. The, uh, what's that mode? Nitro mm -hmm. mode. No, so yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a premium. Right, people, yeah, but with, uh, you get more emojis and you get the um, GIF as a picture. I've been looking for Discord to go public, um, and that would be great. But I think Microsoft wants to acquire Discord. I just think Microsoft has runway to make acquisitions um, from an antitrust perspective, too. Um, they just acquired Nuance Communications, and that's going to go through just fine. They're not going to allow Facebook or Amazon to make any more acquisitions here. And that was really the one way that they were creating shareholder value was by making acquisitions. And if they're not allowed to do the one thing that's been having them create shareholder value, well, then their core businesses are going to have to start performing better. And I'm just, I am um, more bearish on amazon.com, the e-commerce platform than much other people are. I don't think this company is at the forefront of innovation anymore. Six years ago, amazon.com was like the best e-commerce site. I don't know if he could say that anymore, to be completely yeah. honest. But do you, do you think they've they've kind of pivoted at this point? They're yeah, the largest when AWS, it comes to the AWS. AWS is, yeah. yeah, AWS is great. But even then, man, I mean, there's a lot of innovation, you know, um, in the software space, too. Um, and we could kind of talk about that. I mean, dude, the reason why I kind of like some of these boring companies and like a stock I haven't or a company I haven't really talked about is like stocks like Caterpillar and John Deere, like these tractor makers. How many like new startups do you see of like tractor makers? I mean, like yeah, none. Right? Just, I mean, like just nobody. Don't. No, and so like <laughs> you kind of look at like companies like John Deere, Caterpillar, even like UPS, United Parcel Service is a company that I love. It's don't look now, but big Brown's about the print $180, you know, holy smokes. Here we go. You can make money investing in some boring ass shit, everyone, right? 180 big Brown's at United UPS. So, um, I don't see many startups, you know, getting into kind of the businesses that these guys are, that guys are already in. But if you look at like the software space, I mean, holy shit, like, <laughs> I mean, this is a, this is a ruthless, yeah, this is a ruthless industry with just a lot of names and, you know, a, a, and man, just if you look at like the ter executive turnover for Amazon too, I mean, holy crap. I mean, how many like former Amazon executives do you see like on a lot of these startups? Like, like oh, I was a former senior management Amazon and the, and look at the executive turnover for and senior management turnover on Amazon. It's, it's pretty eye opening. You know, 
I just, I'm a believer that you don't make money um, piling into the top five holdings of the S&P 500. You really don't. And that's why I don't really like indexing. I would rather, I want an index. There's probably something out there that is reverse market cap weighted S&P 500. I want to invest more money in the companies that are least allocated. That's my thought process personally. Um, But I'm super contrarian. So, and that kind of hasn't worked out for me in the past a little bit, but I think it's in the, it's worked out for me pretty well. Um, I like to invest in kind of segments of the market that kind of are a little bit overlooked. Like I still think Activision Blizzard is like so severely overlooked. Like no one really talks about it. And I'm just like, how the hell? Like, oh my God, is a company. Well, something we we touched on in the last episode too, of of just like in in passing, we kind of talked about how the S&P is so top heavy, like a ton of other good companies that are being overlooked by, by the Fang. Like it's just, there's so so many other ones. Yeah. It's so grossly over, um, overweighted to like the top seven to eight names. It's just, there's just so many other ways to put your money in there too. I I'm, I'm a big small cap guy. I I love small mid cap companies. It's just, I, I, I feel like a company that's worth $2 billion, um, you know, they could just make one pivot and they could create two additional billion dollars of shareholder value. And that's a 100% return. Bang. If you're investing in Amazon here at a $1.7 trillion valuation, what could they do to create 1.7 additional trillion dollars of shareholder value that would get you a 100% return? I would rather take a bet on the $2 billion company creating two digital, two, only $2 billion dollars more gets you that 100% return. And that's kind of the venture capital private equity mindset. You don't see venture capitalists piling into the top five holdings of the S&P 500, Emmett. Because they were in, they were in those companies 15 years ago. When it wasn't good yeah, to be so there. When it, when it was smaller. Exactly. So that is, that's kind of um, my thought process. Activision Blizzard at a $75 billion valuation today. I easily think that they could get to 150, 200 billion dollar value. I could see that so easily. I mean, Activision Blizzard, a 200 billion dollar company in this market, that doesn't seem too crazy over the next 10 years, in my opinion, honestly, with as big as esports is getting. Um, it doesn't seem crazy. And they also have this kind of like this NFT thing going too. I think the gaming industry can kind of monetize a little bit too here. Um, so, I, d- I still really do like gaming, man. Um, what else do you want to talk about? Where do you, here? Those where do you are really... kind of see that one going to? Like, do you, I mean, we talked about NFTs a little bit in the last episode, but where do you mm-hmm. see these gaming companies? Where do you see them kind of really taking a step towards making these kind of, I know there's in, in CSGO, for example, there's these the skin markets. So like if you oh my God, purchase crazy, uh, yeah. a uh, one of your weapon skins. So like the one that was that's recently sold for the most was the uh, is what the M4A4 skin. It's called the Howl and it's it's on the quote unquote contraband list. So it's a, it's a banned skin from Valve, oh but my it's gosh. still on there. Oh, and it recently sold to an investor in China for almost four hundred thousand dollars <laughs> for for one skin in your exactly one skin, everyone. And people are and I, it's awesome that people are getting into this stuff because like gaming was like the OG NFT, you know. I mean, like God, Honestly, because can, gaming like can, is such it's, a it's an experience, right? This is like a legit. I mean. A video game in and of itself is kind of an NFT. Like when you think about it, you have your character, yeah. your profile, you accumulate like experience and like this is all kind of digitally stored and remembered on their servers. Um, it's not necessarily on the blockchain, but right, it's on their servers, which you hope are secure. But um, well, my God, kind of thing is, is where it's like, when is it going to be, when are people going to kind of realize that there's there's big money in this and it's not just like video games anymore. Exactly. Um, people are realizing it. I think the financials really need to start getting there um, for Activision Blizzard trades at about eight times sales, but the margins, Oh my God. If you see the margins of this business, they just need to start booking more Activision needs more growth of sales. Um, and I think they can get that from starting to monetize into the token market more. They, they, 
they're just really right now they they're just kind of very um traditional in their shop like they just exchange dollars for like so if like world of warcraft you can buy like mounts and pets and shit and like this shit goes for big money but they don't have an open market yet like a free market yet for some of these things which is kind of tough they regulate it too much um i don't know man i think they need the they need to release a free market for some of this stuff more but that's where i th- that's where i could see it going and yeah, then there's like the whole like yeah and i see here you ca- did you want to talk about um a rod acquiring the timberwolves here that's i also i was going to bring that up during your kind of i wouldn't call it a rant about amazon but it's the same thing like amazon was people think amazon's the only online seller um with alex rodriguez partnering with mark lore to mark buy the timberwolves mark lore was the um the ceo, CEO of e-commerce at walmart so gotcha. there's there's he grew that thing to a yep. massive giant as well. So like people are, like you said, like Walmart is a big player in the space oh, now. And it's Walmart. not just com, Amazon. Target.com, bestbuy.com. I mean, Etsy.com, right? I can just, I mean, there's just, just to your point, right? There's a lot more out there than Amazon.com now. Um, but yeah, people, keep, yeah, like, keep going, people yeah. like that are, are the ones who are, like you said, they're, they're jumping ship now out of these e-commerce brands and uh-huh. getting into something else but it's uh, what's the valuation of that was for i don't know if the timberwolves are worth 1.5 billion dollars look so i don't this know is if the minnesota bet, market Emmett. no Emmett. so this is a bet on sports gambling here this isn't a bet on the timberwolves right i mean when you think about this i don't that's true I, more this, of a this long-term is, play there this yeah. is a long-term um derivative play if you will of the sports betting industry as a whole. And this was probably the cheapest way to get in on that in a direct way. Um, I have not talked about sports betting yet. And I was very early on this too. Um, Sports betting is also um, an industry that I'm very involved in. Um, MGM is a great way to play this. I've owned DraftKings in the past. I actually was very early on DraftKings. I actually sold it because I didn't like the financials though. I like a company called Flutter Entertainment out of the UK. They own FanDuel. Flutter Entertainment. They ah, own FanDuel. There it That's is. That's my position. And it's a five-letter <laughs> ticker. It trades OTC, so it's not as liquid. But I like MGM and PDYPY. It's called <laughs> the ticker is PDYPY, and it's ugly ticker because the company used to be called Patty Power. What a dog shit name of a company. It sounds like a powder puff girl <laughs> fucking yeah. name. So they changed it to Flutter Entertainment, which is get, oh, not great still, but it's getting better. Flutter is like a top 25 holding in the UK footsie. So this is a very well-known company over in the UK across the pond. In America, not really, but people don't know that. People are like, who owns FanDuel? Man, it's Flutter. And FanDuel is doing very well here in America on the East Coast, as well as um, in Colorado. I don't know if people know this, but in Colorado, sports betting is fully legal. That's big. Colorado, that one either. It's huge. Colorado, Tennessee is online, Emmett. Michigan is online. Virginia is online. New Jersey was a big one, you know, that was online. Nevada isn't just the only one now. Um, Sports gambling is being legalized at a faster rate than. Uh, in states than cannabis right now um i don't really know why but whatever like in tennessee they legalize sports betting but not cannabis i mean whatever i mean they're gonna get the cannabis one done but like you know you know what i mean right colorado is the best state because they have both they just give people freedom hey if you want to bet on a game and consume cannabis go for it man what a great do what place. you want to do man exactly so um this is a derivative on sports betting, man, that essentially the sports gambling industry is going to just get bigger and bigger and bigger as it is. Um, and therefore these teams are just going to, the valuations are just going to increase because there's going to be a time just like what people are betting on with cryptocurrency and other things that where these industries start to get monetized more. You know, like there, there may be a time in 10 to 15 years where the Timberwolves 
um, have sports betting kiosks in their stadium. That's already the case in Chicago with the Cubs. There's like a yeah. mini drafting sports book in Wrigley right now. And, you know, in the UK, like with, like with the big time soccer games there, like there's sports betting kiosks and shit yeah, there everywhere. already. So exactly. Yeah. So that's kind of the play here is that these organizations are going to actually start to be able to monetize um, the sports betting industry a lot better and partner with DraftKings and FanDuel and, M- and BetMGM and um, kind of brands like that, man. Um, yeah, also this is- the cornerstones that that partnership with that the NBA has on those the the nfts the nba top shots it kind of it cements them of getting recurring revenue from sales of that that's crazy too yeah so the nba is kind of doing a good job of getting ahead of the curve you know and i think if you're like a big investor like a rod and lore man yeah (laughs) it makes a lot of sense here because it's probably a pretty good valuation what do you say 1.5 billion dollars yeah, that's what that's they have uh, for the, the that's sale. That's not bad. It's, it's very them. cheap for yeah. An, that's not bad, man. In a national branded company, I, I, mean, I mean they're fourteen and forty-two, are... but so they're horrible, right? They're an absolute dog shit team this year, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Like holy shit, they can't even win a game, but that's fine because who cares? People are gonna bet on people are gonna bet on them anyways, or bet against them anyways overs unders it doesn't matter i like, guess they'll, the they'll probably do what they, they they'll get they'll go out and get another big name guy within the next couple of years here that's just what these yeah small that's teams why do. like that's why companies like cbs and comcast are just so stupid because they'll air the big time sec games and nfl games but they have absolutely like no plan or any sort of motivation to monetize the sports betting industry at all whatsoever into their programming that's why they're idiots and they're going to the wayside at least espn and disney are trying i was gonna say a company i criticize a lot which is espn and like the disney company like the, we the haven't things talked that they about do disney. for for mm-hmm. um for sports betting is it's a lot better even, it's it's in crazy they have a dedicated channel to it mm-hmm. on on most of their weeknights and mm-hmm. then during big games they have uh, a rolling screen of all games going mm-hmm. on with the overs unders all the there's even prop bets you can see on there for certain ones, depending on the site that's linked to it. Like you said, DraftKings is a big sponsor, so they put up a decent amount of branding on there, but it shows the prop bets they have on DraftKings, so people can go directly on there. And like you said, Disney is, is doing well in, in exactly. really kind of taking Just, advantage of the sports betting landscape. so much more ahead of CBS and Comcast, right? Um, and little do people know, but Disney owns about 6% of DraftKings right now. People don't know that. I didn't know that until last year. They actually announced it in the middle of last year. Is that hey, we actually own six percent of this company, like the public stock. Like Disney has a venture capital arm, and they made a and they made a um, a venture investment in DraftKings. I think back in like 2015. So that's been monetized for them and has been helping up their balance sheet too. Um, so yeah, I think you, there's there's certain you know ways that these companies are trying to monetize it man sports betting is so big dude oh my gosh i mean this yeah, industry can, that'd is... be a, a huge again let's, there's a lot of numbers on that the industry's huge we can do some more I think, research yeah, and do a whole so episode an actionable, on that, to be an honest actionable idea for everyone listening is mgm i talked about mgm um on the first episode is a, a big play on vegas but bet mgm um is there essentially their phone app that they can take um, their sports book. Um, and it does very well. It, it's the I think it has the number one market share in New Jersey. And it does very well in Michigan because of the MGM um, Detroit location that the MGM yeah. brand Detroit location there. Um, but MGM is doing a really good job. And I think that is the value play in my opinion is, and I love the hybrid model where, you know, people around the country can bet on BetMGM, earn tier credits, earn points, and then go to Vegas and be able to kind of enjoy also the MGM branded um, casinos and resorts, along with um, being a client with BetMGM with their uh, sports wagering. So that's kind of an actionable idea I still like here. I still like MGM uh, here a lot at 40. I think at the, at the 40 handle here. 
like what I was talking about the first episode, it was like a 36, 37. Um, still again, another affordable one that still has a ton of room to grow. I know. Yeah. I like MGM here a lot still. Um, yeah. Sports betting is, uh, that's another industry I, I didn't talk about either. Any other industries out there? Kind of oh, early again, we can, stage, like. That's, what about that's kind this? of a bigger one that I'd love to dive into more on a, on another episode when we have a little more of the. Sports betting is really interesting because there's not a lot of players. It's like one of those industries. It's like God damn. Like I look, I'm like, there's like four to five players on this. You have. Yeah, DraftKings, FanDuel, MGM, and like Caesars has their own online. So I'm like, there's like, you're telling me there's only like four different apps here. And I'm like, God damn, that's a lot better than Charles Schwab, TD Ameritrade. Well, they, Charles Schwab owns, but you know, E-Trade, Trade Zero, Robinhood, you know, Wells Fargo, Merrill Lynch, you have all these, you know, and I'm just looking at it. And even like with crypto, you have Binance, Coinbase, you know, BlockFi, all these other, you know, there's like, you can go on and on to all these other crypto exchanges and platforms. There's like, what, like at least 20 of them, right? How many e-brokers are there for stocks? Fucking a ton. And then you look at sports <laughs> betting and there's like, there's like three and you're just like, oh my God. And then the barriers to entry for sports betting, Emmett, very high. Unbelievable. Very, yeah. And then the barriers, the entry to, I mean, open like your own stock yeah. trading app. It's like, it seems like the easiest shit ever because there's fucking like over a hundred of them. It's, it's similar to, to cannabis. It's this, this there's, government yes, regulation there's, that just stands in the way of what's what's can really so it's hard. So happen. it's hard exactly. So it's hard for people to kind of get in, which is kind of nice. That's why I, I that's why I like cannabis and sports betting is because you have some of the government regulation in the way, which kind of sucks in the short term. But like man, like if you've looked at it over the last five years, it's allowed for these companies that are kind of growing within the regulation to really re-emerge as leaders once oh, this thing kind of yeah, gets set up. The like, long-term no. play on these companies, like once these companies make it out of the BS and everything that they've had to go through, they're miles ahead of what new companies are, or these new startups that try to take their market share away. Yeah. What do you, uh, what do you think about this Coinbase I, listing? This, uh, I, I, the, the valuation that we had before i believe i sent it in was was much lower than it initially or it was they were targeting 250 a share at a 65 yeah, billion dollar yeah. market cap mm-hmm. what they finish up with they They're opened at, at 381 a share mm-hmm. and then nearly a hundred billion dollar market cap i i don't mm-hmm. know a hundred billion dollars big yeah um for just one exchange right and there's more right there's binance and there's BlockFi and there's um a lot of other ones you know i think the one thing with the coinbase business model is the uh, one thing i could talk dude these commissions for crypto trading are so fucking high i mean the one thing no one talks about either is dude no one talks about this so I, I, I've only told one of my friends this, but I own Bitcoin through PayPal. I bought it back in December and I did it for one reason, because when PayPal introduced Bitcoin, they did free trading for a month. And I, <laughs> and I don't tell people about this because it's such a small position for me. And I don't like jockeying around small positions. I just think it's fucking complete eyewash, you know? So it's like, oh, like, yeah, I'm up so high, but it's like, God, it's like a couple hundred bucks. So like, what the hell? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not going to jockey around it, you know, and shit, but so like, I don't really, t- but I did it because it's free training because I look, because I wanted to get into crypto, but I was always like, dude, like, why the fuck are these commissions so high? And so like, that's what I like about the Coinbase business model, I guess, is the fucking commissions are so high and they make a killing on people. That's like, where it's at. Like they're, they're slaughtering the people that are, dude. Like, but, but it's okay because like, it's, it's crypto and it's decentralized it's like, it's like, and what it's is good it, up for... To two- it's up to like 2% commissions per transaction. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that makes like fucking the chop shops in the 90s, like Wolf of Wall Street look fucking good, dude. Was, like, dude, I'm not even it, joking. They, they made it, this, <laughs> this is my initial problem with most of the crypto industry is that they're making it seem like they're better than the, the industries and everything that came before it when they're doing the same thing. And then like the commissions to like, make a transaction are kind of high right to actually like pay in crypto isn't that fucking high as shit too it's yeah similar it's like to, fees. to other credit card fees where you pay 
like a 3% whatever here and there fee for Amex or whatever you want to call it. But like, at least um, with the, with like the credit card fees, you don't see those like explicitly. Like they're no, no, no. Like, you know, like I think with like the transacting crypto, it's like an explicit fee, right? Where it's like, this is the transaction value. And like, we're going to bang you like 2% on it. I don't know, but that's what I've heard that it's just the costs of transacting crypto and even buying and selling it are just so fucking high right now. That, that's why it's always kind of not attracted me too much. But when I got the email from PayPal that they were allowing free trading in crypto for the month of December only, I was like, oh, like, hell yeah, like finally. Like, <laughs> yeah. And then they stopped it. And then now if I go to PayPal, like the commissions are super high. And you know how I like to invest. Like I kind of like to build positions over time. Yeah. So it did, doesn't really, it did. That's why crypto hasn't made a lot of sense to me in that regard. Cause like, if I'm just going to be honest with everyone on the podcast, I'm not doing $10,000 orders here. Like, you know, like, I mean, right. Like we're not, <laughs> I don't have that much money to just be sloshing around 15 grand for trade. I don't want to exactly. put that much. I don't want to put that much risk on right away in general. So paying a 2% fee, which I'm kind of foolish to care about a 2% fee if, you know, Bitcoin's up like fucking 600% or whatever over the last six months. But that's kind of one of the things that's kept me away. I guess I'm kind of a fool for avoiding a big position in it because being scared of commission costs because, but that's kind of just the cost of just transacting in crypto um, has always like, because I've been interested in this stuff for years now, but it, that's why I always just like, man, these uh, commissions are super high. And then I well, go yeah, not to... even the commission fees. It's, it's more of what we talked about too. It's like, I think with Bitcoin, it's like, if you're not in it, you, you missed it. You're, you're not that too. Yeah. You, exactly. You... Like, what am I going to buy up here at 62,000 and pay? Yeah, like, what are we fee? doing here? Yeah. Like that's tough, man. Like that's tough. Right. So that, so, but I look at the Coinbase business model and if people are like comfortable with paying 2% fees, I mean, this looks like a pretty fucking good business because there's companies out there like Charles Schwab that are publicly traded that do free trading and they don't make literally any money on transaction fees anymore. It's just essentially other sorts of like, it's just pretty much net income margin, which is taking customer cash balances and investing it in bonds, treasuries. And that's the spread yeah. that they make. Like that's the only way that's like Wells Fargo, Bank of America. That's how they all make their money, make their money is taking your cash and sitting in a checking account and just buying treasuries with it. Um, but then but, like, but again, those, those were bigger parts of, of the business back in the day where these transaction fees, exactly. From, like from that's trades, where, that's where got... like, ex dude, that's such ex that that's where like, um, those companies, right. They are losing out on the revenue stream that they had years ago. Is the same thing going to happen to Coinbase? Is there going to be a race to zero commission wise? Like there was with stock trading, who knows? Like, I don't know what that really looks like, but. I mean, I'm sure at a certain point it will in the next, I would say less than, I would, I would say in the next year, there'll probably be some people are going to start to realize the fees that they're paying on these things and, and get it together. How but, can they not realize? Like, how come no one yeah. talks about that? Like the fees ever? I don't know. We're like the first people I've ever heard. Just like, Hey, like there's like transaction. Like, cause I wish it was free, <laughs> yeah. but it isn't. And even if I had to pay a little bit, it's fine. I get it. But like, God damn, like 1.52%. Like, gosh, shit. Like you said, the PayPal is at 3%. So it's like. Was uh, it really? I don't know. Yeah, no, it's a two, it's two to 3% now. So yeah, I bought Bitcoin at around 16, 17,000 um, PayPal for free. And again, this is such a small position and I don't want to sell it because I don't want to do the headaches with taxes and shit either. So I don't really know what the hell I'm going to do with it. I'm just like, God, I'm kind of regretting even doing it because I'm just like, dude, it's so stupid. Like it's, it's more of a headache now. <laughs> yeah, now it's just like, God damn it. Like, I mean, I'm glad. Like, oh, yeah, I made a little bit of money, but it's just like, Jesus Christ. What the, like, like, I don't what know. Like, my accountant's going to be like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Like, <laughs> like I, yeah, that's the thing. It's just like, but they had free trading. So I'm like, okay, I'll, you know, get a little bit involved here for free. And like, it was the amount of money where like, if I lose everything, if the shit goes to zero, it'll be fine. But then, yeah, you know, but that's, yeah, but it's just like, God damn, man, why are the transaction fees so high? Yeah. I don't so know. Again, I think just to, to close on the Coinbase thing, it's, it's not, I don't, I don't understand the, the valuation of, I don't understand, like the business model is basically the fees that they're, they're taking mm -hmm. from these transactions. 
So once those fees go away, where does that leave the company? They it can't be a hundred billion dollar valuation at this point. Yeah, there's a notion that they maybe want to pivot to being a bank, and maybe they'll start accepting direct deposits. And but then even then, like then they're going to have to actually get chartered by the FDIC, and then where does Good that luck. go with regulation? And just like I don't know, like how has the government allowed this shit to get this big? I just don't. It's it's I don't know with this with happen with with companies like this I don't know how it gets to this point of of where government regulation hasn't stepped in to I know. to like <laughs> it's just it's a little crazy. bit ridiculous in in my opinion yeah no it's it's crazy and I I personally think this gives you know Coinbase going public on the Nasdaq gives the government a lot more freedom to actually come in here and do some things like, and whether that's positive or negative for crypto, I don't know. Um, I'm assuming it'll be negative because this is a, an industry that's lived off of, you know, DeFi and decentralization. And um, I mean, who knows now yeah. we're, it's been legitimized to the point where this company is getting a huge valuation here. I think it's, it's been put off for so long by the government, but then now, like you said, it's it's starting like if it's going to be on the Nasdaq and it's starting to make its its rounds here. It's it's kind of being shoved in the government's face of like, hey, I know, do something like, about this. I mean, like, it's just crazy. The government officials, and then when you when they get asked, they just dodge the question. Like they don't even care. Like they just find you know one of their political, you know, ways to dodge questions, which they're really good and they're trained at. Um, they'd rather just talk about antitrust uh, of facebook oh yeah they're <laughs> like oh you know they, they're good they just <laughs> deflect the question every fucking time it's just like i hate the like the you know jerome powell get asked about cryptocurrency and janet yellen's like oh it's not efficient stores of value next question it's just like dude like are you fucking kidding me like it's obviously pretty efficient like if you have this many people that are involved in it, you have fucking companies that are going public on the fucking NASDAQ at a hundred billion. And then they just, Oh, it's not an efficient store of value. Like, dude, like it's not, they know what's going on. They just, they just don't want to talk about it because I think a, they're really embarrassed because these are the people that are supposed to be governing us in the U S dollar. And they've just completely failed at it. So I mean, I think it's like you said, it's either a they're they're embarrassed and they can't really walk it back yet, or exactly. they they know something that that we don't, and yeah, something else bigger is coming. But Fed then again, coin, it's like, right? I think there's yeah. you know, they're going to create Fed coin, and it's going to be you know denominated to the U.S. dollar, and I mean, who knows what goes on with the price with that? But then even then, what would be the purpose of even doing that? Like a Fed coin? I don't think there's really even a reason to. Then you're yeah. just like, because then there's like this thing with crypto is like making coins just for the fuck of it, like sort of thing. It's just like, dude, like, <laughs> like it's just like, oh, like we'll tokenize that. It's like it makes sense because there's like this thing like could like season tickets for like let's say a baseball team be tokenized? Of course it could be. Like you own yeah, a token exactly. and it provides you season tickets. Or you can just like buy a season ticket package. Like, was there anything really that wrong with that to begin with? Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, what yeah, like, what I problem? Like, like, what problem is like tokenizing a season ticket package solving? Like, was the season ticket package traditionally like that big of an issue? Like, that's also where I'm kind of was thinking the same thing. I never heard anyone say that, but like, what problem is all of this solving? By tokenizing exactly. everything, like what problem is this solving for us on our daily lives? It, it, it almost, it, it, yeah, it may or may not. It really depends on preferences at the end of the day. Like, so there's like the notion that every subscription-based model could be tokenized, um, which makes sense. I mean, I don't think there was that big of an issue of having a login and password, but I don't know. You know what I mean? Maybe there's yeah. like a centralized blockchain where, I could have like my Netflix token and my Amazon Prime token, and this actually is my subscription. Essentially, I don't know. Like you know, and are we gonna go there? Maybe, maybe not. But is it solving like a huge issue? It doesn't seem like that right now. I think with Bitcoin, really the main driver of it is limited supply, denominated in a currency that is just being hemorrhaged which yeah. is the US dollar. At the end of the day, it is BTC to USD. And the denominator of that USD 
the supply is just getting obviously it's just increasing and then with bitcoin you have limited and it's in many ways bitcoin is almost a digital ponzi scheme you have a lot of people believing that it's a store of value and that's all you need because at the end of the day the us dollar is a ponzi scheme as well you have a lot of people saying that this thing has value so you know everything at the end of the day is kind of a ponzi scheme when you really think about it life maybe it's just yeah. an entire ponzi it's just a giant ponzi scheme <laughs> yeah everything and then i mean you could really i mean there's ponzi schemes out there that are pretty apparent but then there's like deeper ones you know but like uh, yeah. dude i this is I, i'll add this to our for next week's next week's pod but this is going to be in i have a few other topics that i like to to jump on and and talk about next week this would be awesome to continue this on yeah any anything else here i see or do you uh, want to we'll, leave we can, it to no next we'll, week? we'll wrap this up here and then we'll we'll kind of just we'll taper that off into next week and the week after we got plenty of good stuff we talked about today yeah, um, again I'll, I'll wrap it up in our in another intro and outro for for everyone on the pod here for um, sure again for jamie sure. bell thank you so much for for coming on um it's always, always a pleasure to get your insight on a lot of these things. Um, do you want to kind of quickly recap some of the actionable things that you had on there? Yeah. Even though this is only recap. for entertainment purposes only, and this is a yeah, yeah, seek I know. financial sometimes, advice. Sometimes we can get super long form, and I probably was like blabbering on a little bit there. So if you stuck <laughs> around, I appreciate it. I just wanted to kind of revisit and reemphasize my position on cannabis and gaming because I did kind of really go into that in the first episode. Um, and then, yeah, it gets, you know, provide some actual ideas. Like, cause I mean, a lot of other, a lot of other podcasts and investing shows out there can kind of tell you certain shit like, Hey, you should look at this sector, but they won't tell you like, Hey man, like these are actually some investment opportunities here that you can really kind of sink your teeth into. So the gaming cannabis and sports betting industries, man, really take a look at these things. I still think they're really under the radar and they're a lot more interesting than these big tech companies, man. You can go out and you can buy Apple, Facebook, Amazon. I mean, good for you, right? Those are really stable companies. They're really good financially. But personally for me, man, I want a little bit more. I want to you think can, a little bit more against the grain. Yeah. You know, again, you can you can also come in with a lot less money and, and make more of a return on that stuff too. Exactly. You'll, you'll, you'll see your money go a long, long way. Exactly, man. You know, with more, with with more the, of the smaller growth companies, instead of just buying into Facebook, with where's where's that going to go, man? Amazon, where's that going to go? Apple, where's it going to go? Like, what's your hundred dollars really going to get you at that point? Exactly. Like th those were all great buys five, six years ago. Really, I mean, man, skate to where the pucks go. And I know it's a super cliche thing to always say, but man, um, really look at the industries that have runway, especially if you're young out there, dude. <sighs> what industries and what opportunities have runway and you know is crypto one of them sure yeah i think transaction i think we went over transaction costs you know but <laughs> i think and even that's fine and you know you like you know you know you you like digital art and things like that man that has a lot of runway and i would much rather you be involved with digital art than like some of these big tech companies to be completely honest man i just think there's more runway in some of these emerging industries um, I could, we could, I could sit here and tell you to buy the S and P 500 everyone, but I'm not going to, Yeah, <laughs> I'm go just to not. A, you're not going to find that here on, yeah, on this podcast. I'm, it's just and, not, and if you, it's not and if us. you do that, and if you do that, that's totally, totally fine. I think it's, I, I think, uh, the S and P 500 ETF is a lot better than cash, mm -hmm. but I think you can hold a core position in the S and P 500 if that makes you feel comfortable, but I really just want people to, um, you know, start taking more risks, man. You know, be, yeah, like be, a lot, if be, you're young, dude, take, take the risk. That's exactly. That's what it is. Yep. Like, all right, man. Well, again, thank you for recapping. We'll wrap this episode up here. And again, thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, really appreciate all the support. Jamie and I have been going back and forth and looking at better ways to kind of make the podcast better and how, what we can do to offer you guys more value on the side of just a podcast. So, uh, keep hitting us up on, on Instagram, Twitter, wherever you guys can find us. Um, give us your feedback. We'd love to hear it. Subscribe everywhere you can and tell us to your friends. We'd love to have them on as well. Any, other, any other final thoughts, Jamie? That's all. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, We'll get together next week and we can expand on some things or go over some new topics but i appreciate everyone tuning in again awesome man so all right everyone this has been outside the lines happy investing everyone
See ya. All right, guys. Thank you so much again for sticking around with us for that long. If you're still here, really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure to record with my boy, Jamie Bell. It's unparalleled, man. This guy's got so much good information. Um, we're, we, we got a ton of ideas to put out tons more content for you guys. So be patient with us. We've got a lot of good things coming for you guys. Uh, don't want to spoil anything, but check, check your inbox. We've got some good things that are going to be coming your way. We've got a, lots and lots of good calls coming here. Um, we know not everyone's long in the market, so we've got a ton of good short information coming up. So again, it's always a pleasure. Thank you guys so much for, for sticking with us, all the downloads, all the love. It's been awesome to kind of get out here, get our feet wet in the podcast game. Uh, we can't thank you guys enough, man. So thank you again. This is long-winded, but thank you, thank you, thank you so much, guys. We really appreciate, appreciate all the support. And we're back next week with another banger of an episode, guys. Take it easy, guys. Happy investing.